Hello and welcome to another episode of Solo Powered with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business, solo journey to parenthood, single by choice, solo adventures, or solo pursuits of passion. Remember, this is not about living a lonely life. This is about living the most full life on your terms. So far on the podcast, I've had a number of people who have talked about their solo pursuits passion and their solo adventures. We had Damien Brown on the podcast talking about rowing solo across the Atlantic. We've had Rory Travels talking about lots of travel that he's done all over the world, setting up businesses. And I'm really excited to have my next guest, which is Gwen Wilkinson. So Gwen is a award-winning artist and ecologist who to uh, quote the the line from her amazing book called The Waters and the Wild. In 2019, Gwen Wilkinson set herself the challenge of building a canoe and paddling it the length of Ireland along a network of inland waterways. Setting out from the shores of Loch Erne, she navigated a 400 kilometer journey to the tidal waters of the River Barrow in Ireland. Uh, Her amazing um, story was chronicled, as I said, in in this book, The Waters and the Wild. Um, And I'm really interested to talk to Gwen about her experiences, you know, traversing Ireland. Um, She's a big fan of Irish folklore and Irish tradition, uh, something that I have a shared passion in as well. She says in the book that she paddled to explore, searching for inspiration and a desire to learn more about the island we inhabit. And she was met with rich and illuminating experience far beyond her expectations. So very excited to hear all about that and her next adventure where she's building a teardrop caravan uh, tool. So we're looking forward to hearing all about that as well. So Gwen, you're so welcome on the podcast. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and chat to me. Thank you so much for having me, Ariane. It's great to be here. Your podcast series is so inspiring. So it's really great to be included in the lineup. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, so I first came across you within the Irish Country magazine. My colleague Mead Devereaux, uh, uh, we put an excerpt, I suppose, from your um from your book into the magazine, accompanied by such beautiful pictures. And um, myself and the girls in the office were chatting, and we were saying Gwen would be a great person to come on the co- the podcast because there's nothing <laughs> more solo than building a canoe and and traveling solo across Ireland and across the waterways. Tell me first of all, give me a little bit of a history about you about what you do and about sort of what led you to doing um, or embarking on such a a quest wow um gosh where do I begin well I I I suppose I could begin uh, very quickly then um back when I was in university um you know I just got this um desire to have adventures and like all young people do you want to go traveling and see the world and um I got incredibly um, lucky, I suppose. Um, I linked up with a, a sailor, a yachtsman who'd arrived in from South Africa. I like to say I rescued him when he was shipwrecked off the coast of Ireland. <laughs> and um, I ended up joining him and his boat and went sailing all over the world for about six years. Wow. And it was it was just the most incredible adventure. And from, you know, since then, I've just always had the bug for especially water travel. I love water-based travel, be it sailing and um, canoes is kind of a recent thing for me. Um, so yeah, um, I've always had a link with the water, even through my parents on their boats. And um, 
And I, I guess it was a matter of time before I, I went off on my own personal adventure on the water. Sure. Yeah. And so was this a romantic link up with this sailor that you rescued or? <laughs> or, or it was. Oh, okay. yeah, it, it, it worked out in, in many ways. Um, yeah. It, it, I mean, I suppose it was just the perfect opportunity. I mean, but yeah we, we were also in love I guess wow right. so you <laughs> weren't just like working as his ship hand or anything like that you were in a romantic relationship but well, that's fantastic yeah. I love that yeah. how wonderful it was um, it was right it was romantic and exciting you know especially for a young person I was just in my early 20s so it was yeah. an incredibly exciting experience yeah wow. exotic yeah, yeah oh my goodness and what kind of boat were you on that you were traveling around the world uh, so it was a 40 foot uh, racing boat and um, the person who owned it, the sailor, he'd actually built it himself. He was South African and he built it himself and um, he just happened to get shipwrecked off the coast of Ireland. Oh, he really did uh, get shipwrecked? Oh, genuinely, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I, I helped him. I was still in college at the time and um, after studies, I'd help him rebuild his boat and I got wow. him back on the water with, with other people, too. It wasn't just me. Yeah. But um, his dream was to sail around the world solo. And yeah, um, yeah so it was great to, you know, that was kind of a great. Experience. You shattered his dreams. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't solo anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, he, I mean, I for the first year, um, he, he did race around the world and I was wow. kind of what's called shore support. So I would learn to do all the maintenance work and the fundraising. Um, yeah. And then I had some great sailing adventures too. I suppose he taught me to sail. Nice. Um, yeah. So it was all very exciting and more than I could have dreamed of or, or have imagined, you know, to wow. go traveling. Wow. Yeah. And you said your parents kind of had instilled, had boats and things like that as well. Were you from a coastal area of Ireland? No, definitely not. Um, they were on the inland waterways. So they, um, my dad owned a series of, um, I don't know, do you know, they're often called the Guinness barges. They're nice. big old um, iron boats that used to go along the canals and rivers in Ireland. And um, they own, my parents owned a series of those and then they downsized to kind of smaller, what's called narrow boats. Yes. They're kind of, you might see them in England a lot yes. on the canals and in mm. London um so yeah so it was always inland um on canals and rivers yeah wow amazing um and so and and, and yeah. then in terms of your career then after sort of traveling around and obviously you were seeing the world and exploring all kinds of flora and fauna no doubt uh you you became an, an ecologist or was that something that you had studied before or how does that work that's only a recent um okay. development definitely that was definitely came about um after the canoe journey that I okay. did okay um very recent um and still ongoing I guess I'm not a practicing ecologist yet I'm still yeah. in the process of learning yeah um but no but after I went sailing um I came back to Ireland and um I guess I became an artist and that's what I've been for the past 15 years um, working full-time as an artist yeah wow. and what kind of artist what kind of uh... um, multidisciplinary I suppose okay. it's a sculpture and photography printmaking um yeah um, multidisciplinary so I just sort of see where the wind takes me on a year you know what, what I'm interested in um 
yeah so I spent a lot a good few years being a sculptor and um making kind of large um metal creations I suppose um yeah and then um then I went on and studied photography and um I developed an interest in um historical photographic processes so I used to use these big old wooden view cameras from the 1800s and kind of these old processes of, of um, taking photographs on glass plates. And mm. yeah, so it was kind of quirky and a, a bit different, wow. not so much digital photography. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And then oh. printmaking. And yeah, so the ecology was definitely recent. Yeah. But nice. I mean, I've always had an interest in nature. And when we did our sailing adventures, um, with my then partner, we were very much, we used to campaign on the races under an environmental banner. He was very passionate about um, clearing up the oceans and stopping plastic pollution. And we used to go into schools and give a lot of talks and slideshows. So I guess mm. it's always been there, you know, that interest in the environment and marine life, yeah. Wow, wow. I feel like you've lived a, a few lifetimes already within this one life. It sounds like so many different parts of you doing lots of different things at different times. It's fascinating. Um, talk to me then about about this 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 quest and just building the the, the canoe and this um this this journey around Ireland. Where did that come about? I mean, how did you? Why did you decide that you wanted to do something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I mean. I had been working, as I say, as a as an artist and a sculptor about 15 years, and I'd started to develop um, what's called carpal tunnel injury in my wrist. And it's kind of a repetitive um, motion that I was doing with my wrist that was causing a lot of pain. And I was having to stop work and let it heal. And um, the medical advice was that I really should kind of give up what I was doing or, you know, have an operation. And I was so I was kind of at a crossroads going, gosh, you know, it, it's very hard for me just to suddenly give up my career and what I'm doing. Mm. And um, yeah, so at that crossroads, I thought I'd, you know, just dabble in something a little different and see where it takes me. Um, and I just, um, yeah, so I started the canoe, building the canoe kind of came before the whole adventure. Um, and I just thought, you know, it'd be nice just to have a project uh, to work on and create and um yeah so I just I worked on the canoe for about four months and um yeah and then then the journey happened and it became it became a big journey and that that really wasn't the plan the original plan in the beginning um yeah I just wanted a canoe just to get out on the water and maybe explore the barrow it's my local river but uh, yeah, it grew legs, I guess, if you could say it grew those legs and developed into something bigger. Yeah. So Tom, before we talk about the, the travel adventure, then how does one go about building a canoe? I mean, do you literally get a, a big trunk of wood or like how does I mean, how does it happen? Yeah, that's what I thought. What do I get? Like fell a tree and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. Like a cor- yeah. I'm I make I make a courgette boats all the time, Phil. Yes. We know. I was thinking to you just now there's like scoop out the middle and yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, I had no idea where to start. You know, I I didn't really have a huge amount of woodworking experience. But um, you know, the internet is just um thank god for the internet you know you can explore anything and it's all there and uh, yeah I came across a book um I've I've actually got a copy of the book here it's uh 
the canoe shop. Yeah. So it's called the canoe shop. It's an American publication, and it was um they had designs for a canoe which they advertised uh, the fact that anyone could build. Nice. So I said, right, anyone ha has to include me. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so I just um followed it like a gigantic recipe. I just followed it, you know, add this, do that, and uh, after four months, lo and behold, there was a canoe. Yeah. Wow, wow. <laughs> My goodness. And what's it made of? It's a wooden canoe. Um, so it's made from very simply um four sheets of really thin plywood. So okay. it's not the kind of not the kind of plywood you get in the DIY store in Woodies. It's a special marine plywood. Nice. Um, but you can you can get it in Ireland, which is great. And um, and that's where it started from four planks, and you just cut out um cut out the cut out your planks from the boards and um you do what's called uh in in the industry it's called a lap strike method of construction which is um a stitch and glue so you basically stitch all the planks together and then you apply um any epoxy resin between mm. the joints mm. and that cures and um then you can remove the stitching and lo and behold the canoe holds its shape and then wow. um, wow. yeah so, and I suppose the plywood is by 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 nature its name pliable. So that's how you get that curved, the curved yeah. shape on the canoe, yeah. right? So yeah, yeah. I couldn't yeah. believe it when when yeah. the shape happened out of these flat boards. Um yeah, it was kind of amazing. Wow. And it kind of it defies um physics the way the boards can bend into yeah. this beautiful shape. Yeah. And hold its shape. Yeah. Yeah. It's and be so strong too. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's a is it just a one person canoe? yeah yeah it's right. one person yeah. and then what about your oars do you build that as well I didn't no no, no. I felt yeah I kind of got too excited I said just give me the oar you know I need to get my <laughs> oar but yeah I got I, I did get a beautiful wooden paddle as well to go with it and um, that was kind of aesthetics you know because I actually didn't have huge canoeing experience um so I, I guess, you know, experienced canoeists could, could kind of laugh at me a bit. But um, I kind of went, yeah, I want a wooden canoe because it looks good. Or, you right. know, a wooden paddle because it looks good. And But actually, it served its purpose really well. It was perfect. And are they called, so, um, excuse my ignorance, but is it, are they, when it's a canoe, is it called a paddle versus an oar? Is it is like a, a or? That's interesting. I mean, I used to swap between the two. Okay. I, I'm not, um, I'm not really big into terminology. Yeah. Um um so yeah I, I'll call it an oar or a paddle okay <laughs> I'm just wondering if because you do you would say you paddle the canoe as opposed to yeah row yeah. the canoe you would row a boat yeah. I suppose, and paddle a canoe so I, yeah. I suppose it's just the different word the different wording um yeah. it's funny I am a little bit into terminology like because I come from a golfing right. a golfing and a snooker family you know so when people call like a pool stick, I'm like, it's a cue. It's a, oh, it's, a no. it's a snooker cue. Or when, yes. you know, or or people say like a golf stick, I'm like, it's a golf club. Like, you know, it's just that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm probably everyone's worst nightmare then because I mean, I know I can sail a boat, yeah. but 
I wouldn't know the terminology. So I'd say, could you pull the rope attached to the thingy on the yoke? With the, you know, even though I would know what it does, I, I wouldn't know straight out of my head. Yes, it's oh a halyard goodness. going through a block. <laughs> oh my goodness, how funny. Anyway, Reminds yeah. me of my days being in the brigades back in the day and we would be learning all about the starboard and the all of the different boating terminology. Oops, <laughs> yeah. Right, you'd yeah. be learning while you were in the GAA hall or something. It's so, yeah. so funny and learning how to, you know, learning how to tie knots and stuff like that we were very very into it in that you know young age um so wow okay so the first time then that you put the canoe onto the water what was that like what was that experience like that you've kind of created this thing with your own hands and then I mean you know was there lots of test runs and before you even sit in it like no not too many test runs at all no um uh, no, I was really excited about getting out on the water and just heading out. So no, not not too many test runs at all. I mean, the, the minute I got into her, she was just really simple to manage. And um, I kind of knew I was going to be safe, you know, mm. in it. Mm. Um, so I was ready. I knew I was ready to go on, a, on an adventure. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, and do you yeah, think yeah. when you know and I, I know you're interested in folklore and, and I mean I, I know that boats are referred to in the feminine and things like that but when mm. you said you know I felt safe in her do you yeah. feel that there is like a you know do, do yeah. you feel like that there is a, a, a soul or a present or something like that that is in this do, thing that you yeah. sort of created you know yeah yeah I do yeah 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 always with boats um you know you're 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 asking the boat to kind of protect you and look mm. after you mm. in in you know in, in tricky situations so you kind of do um imbue it with the spirit mm. and it was funny when when I wrote the book I would refer to the boat as she or we sometimes and the editor didn't approve of that it was oh, quite right. funny so I kind of cowed out and I said okay I better I better not say you know I'll just stick to it oh my <laughs> goodness yeah. I feel bad I would feel bad about yeah. that too because yeah I mean if you if you do imbue it with a spirit and it is a she yeah. and it's something that you created and that you're yeah. so connected to really I mean you know there is no greater connection than something that you create and make and then sit in and travel yeah. within you know and, and be protected by um sounds amazing so so you and her off you went then tell us about your your what you know when in, it was in 2019 so it was obviously yeah. pre-covid um yeah. my mom and I did a lot of walking during covid along the canals mm. oh, um, lovely. Here around Dublin and one of the big things that I really lovely. mom and I walked the Camino Santiago a few years <gasps> ago and one of the things that we really wanted to do while during, well, we couldn't, but like we got the idea in COVID was to walk from Lucan, where we live, to Ballinasloe in County Galway, because yeah, yeah. there is a, 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 you know, waterway connection pretty yeah. much all the way. Well, at least to Athlone anyway, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we were saying, we'll do it, we'll do it, we'll do it one day. And then obviously, you know, when the restrictions lifted and, you know, it just never kind yeah, of happened. Yeah. But I became very interested. I started doing quite a lot of research at that time into the waterways and how they are connected and how yeah, money yeah. is being invested into the waterways of Ireland, yeah. which is, which is you know, great. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me, 2019, what, 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 what planning went into this or how did it, did it come yeah. about that you said, I'm going to spend, spend some time on the water? Yeah, well, I mean, um, it was that time when I kind of had that injury um, and friends had offered to cheer me up by taking me out on a canoe trip down the Barrow, mm. um, which is, you know, only a few kilometres from me. And um, 
So I kind of sat in the middle of the canoe and they did all the paddling. And it was just a one day, we just hired the canoe and we were, you know, sent off on our own down the river. Mm. And, you know, we, we absolutely loved it. All of us loved it. And I was just completely bewitched by the experience. And um, when I came home from that, I, I started looking up where else could I go? Where could I explore? Um, yeah, and, and I, you know, I, I was kind of, ignorant to the fact that you know the waterways are all connected not all but you know they're relatively connected in Ireland and um it just struck me as a kind of a really interesting idea that you could travel the whole length of the country <clears throat> just by water um on this inland water on the inland waterways canals rivers lakes and locks um yeah so I just thought you know well I've got to try that it seemed like an achievable uh, goal that I was going to set it wasn't like I was you know I've had friends who've kayaked around Ireland um by by the sea and to me that's um you know it, I think that would be too much of a challenge for me but um on on the rivers and canals you know you're the slightly more safety factor involved in it so yeah so I just thought you know that's something I would love to try and just you know really challenge myself even further yeah mm, amazing yeah. and so I suppose obviously this is a podcast that's all about celebrating doing things solo so mm. I'm I mean I'm assuming but, but correct me if I'm wrong that mm. to do an event like this you were you were solo you were single didn't have children like things like that because you know some people listening to this would, would like be thinking oh I'd love to do that but I you know I, yes. I don't have the freedom to do that would that yeah. have been the case yeah. for you yeah. that you had that freedom to make that decision yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I, I've always been very independent, you know, mm. I've, you know, I, I, I often go traveling on my own. Mm. Um, I guess, it, I guess I'm kind of more comfortable that way, which sounds an odd thing to say, but, um, you know, it just, it gives you more independence yeah. and um, freedom. Um, obviously I, I, I enjoy some people's company, but, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I do I do love I love my freedom and I, I'm really happy um being on my own a lot of the time you right. know it's, it's great to have a friend join you every so often and have company it, it's fantastic yeah but uh, yeah I'm I'm always very happy on my own and I I'm, and I do have that freedom at, at home you know yes. I, I live on my own and I have that freedom so yeah, yeah. I'm lucky in that way yeah absolutely and that is the thing I mean you know that is the language that I want people listening mm -hmm. to this or that that is the 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 sort of the mission of the podcast is to try and uh, encourage people who are on their own or are single yeah. or are child free to feel lucky by being able to do yeah. things that they want to do as opposed to feeling less than or feeling that they yeah. you know are missing out on something because of the way in which society kind of makes us believe that we have to be uh you know you know coupled up or have children or any of those kinds of things and it you know it's just about showcasing that there are many different ways of living our lives and it's okay to be happy in a relationship it's okay to be happy to have kids it's also okay to be you know even even just struck me when you said there it probably sounds a bit weird you know and that's yeah. the thing that it, it doesn't sound weird it doesn't sound weird to me and I think that's what we yeah. want to try and change is that it, you know no nothing should be weird about being able to be comfortable in your own company and being comfortable in your own skin yeah. and yeah being able to have the the joy and the freedom that comes with that and yeah. you know yeah. 
And I think that's an important message because, you know, one of the big things of me doing this podcast is, you know, working as a coach is a lot of people put a lot of their lives on hold because they they feel like they can't do things alone. Exactly. Yes. They can't do things on their own. And actually, you know, you know, you deciding to go on this beautiful quest, uh, uh, which is such a solitary endeavor, I would imagine, and so much time spent alone with your thoughts, just you and the river and the water and the and the boat and um, and like that's a magical experience to, to to my mind you know how 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 fantastic that that being able to do something like that must have been and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so I'm thinking like obviously well like I said I did the Camino and uh we would have uh left our bags to be collected and our bags would be picked up and you know they would be transported like I'm trying to imagine how this in this one person boat you were able to have the things that you needed or like where did like tell us how you started this adventure what did you plan what did you bring how did it all work yeah so uh I was I knew I was going to be uh camping for most of the journey so I was able to bring you know enough provisions on all my camping gear in the hold of of the canoe so I would have the biggest hurdle for me was drinking water um which is really odd you know you're on water but Mm. you you know it wouldn't be a good idea to drink it so I had to carry a lot of drinking water and I would generally carry food for roughly three to four days at a time Mm. and so yeah I was completely kind of self-contained and at the end of <clears throat> three or three or four days, I'd have to have a rest and you know restock and get more provisions or whatever. Mm. But uh, yeah, so I I was I was a, I was a, a little tiny floating homes completely wow. self-contained and self-sufficient yeah and so would you just sort of like you you know you're you're going you're so so tell us so actually just tell us that you're sort of where you started so you started up the up and up the north right Erin, yeah county fermanagh i'd never been there before mm. and it was such an eye-opening experience it was the most beautiful area to be in i can't believe i'd never heard of it before nobody had told me how wonderful it was um yeah and I mean when I set out even on the first day I was setting out along the urn um yeah it was like um tumbling through a a portal into you know our ancient past Mm. you know I I was just coming across the most extraordinary sites on the different islands I visited you know really ancient um early Christian kind of pagan um monuments um yeah, so I just got so excited by the rich history that was up there. Yeah, I've just finished reading uh, the book um, Brehan Law, the a- Ancient History of Ireland. Um, oh wow! Yeah, amazing, amazing book. I'm very interested yeah. in Brehans and very interested in the the way yeah. of life that we had back then, and you know those ancient kind of. Um, like it's it's just interesting what you were saying about that. You know, you, you would have been surprised that you could traverse Ireland along the network of wind waterways but of course you could because that was how we did to traverse the, 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 the Ireland you know there wasn't roads and motorways and cars and you know all of that kind of thing I mean I've been reading all about the the kings 150 different kingdoms that we had in Ireland the five different provinces and yeah. the Druids and how you know the Druids were along with the kings allowed to traverse the country because they're, they, they were needed to you know pass, pass judgments and, and make sure that you know uh, 
to to be sort of the right hand man of the kings and to um offer guidance and advice and they traveled primarily on foot but also via the water outways as well you know so yeah, this yeah, is yeah, probably yeah. why you were seeing so many of these ancient pagan kind yeah. of things that we've sort of we, we've become blind to now because we're not yeah. on the waterways we're on no, the roads, right? we just don't so, see them you yeah. know I, I think that that's that's the that's the reason why I was kind of, you know, kind of ignorant to, to their existence, even though I'd kind of grown up um, along the the Grand Canal and the Shannon. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you're in a car, you're whizzing along and you, you're not going to see the Grand Canal, the Royal Canal, because you mm. zoom over them over the bridge and you don't see them. Um, yeah. So, and you know, that was part of the reason of the book was I really wanted to tell people about this incredible resource that's mm. here. And you you don't just have to be experiencing the waterways on a boat or a canoe. You know, we now have all these amazing cycleways on the mm. Grand Canal and the Royal Canal, I think, has just opened. It's 180 kilometers or something. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's open. It's there for everyone. And it's getting away from the car and the mm. bus and the train and it's mm. out into the fresh air. Yeah. yeah, which I think was was a great thing that COVID did bring to us was that people yeah. were out and it's it's sad, it's kind of sad to see the parks sort of empty again. And, you know, I, I had on this podcast Phoebe Foran from Forager, who I just was um, yeah. out with on Saturday. So she she organizes foraging walks all along yeah. the Dodder and the River Dodder Fantastic. and, yeah, yeah. you know, it brings people out to explore kind of like the, the plants and the medicinals and the the, the, the yeah. foraging for sort of foods that you can have just on your doorstep, even yeah. in, you know, the middle of Dublin and, and along the along the, the waterways, which is amazing. Um, yeah. so okay so you're <clears throat> you're you're coming down from locker and, and you're up there and in Fermanagh yeah. and you're making your way down do you mm-hmm. just did you just sort of like uh pitch up I mean I mean mm-hmm. like I'm just trying to think from a legality perspective I mean are are you legally able to traverse all of the waterways are they all yeah. like governmental owned or country owned and then just in terms of like pitching up your tent can you just do that anywhere or like how does that work yeah, interesting. Uh, I mean, you, anyone can travel along the waterway. It's all open. It's it's kind of bizarre. I mean, you don't need any license or, wow. or well, for a canoe, you don't need a, a permit. For a boat, you do have to have a permit. Um, I think that's just to kind of help with the maintenance of the waterways. Hmm. But yeah, there was no one, um, no one was going to stop me or, yeah, uh, it was just open for me, for anyone to get out in a canoe and enjoy and with regard to camping, I mean, um, certainly along the urn, um, it was well provided for with kind of camping, official camping sites. So that was really helpful. Um, you know, they're really developing the urn and the upper Shannon for kind of paddle friendly, mm. kind of smaller um, vessels like me and stand up paddle boards and canoes. So there's lots of facilities um, camping and showers. Um, that, you know and that's brilliant it's it really encourages smaller groups and young groups to get out um but then yeah then there were some some wild camping um especially along the Grand Canal and the Shannon the kind of lower sections of the Shannon and the Barrow too mm. and you're, you're allowed to do that we're we're so lucky here because I think in England you can't just rock up and you know camp put your tent out um you know it's a very different situation there whereas here you know we we it's it's still open 
Wow. Yeah, especially wow. along, you know, because the, the Grand Canal and Barrow have lovely grassy towpaths. So that was just perfect, you know, for camping on. Yeah. So and you can just pitch up, pitch, pitch up your canoe. Or you yeah, can, as long as you're not blocking access ways and, mm. uh, you know, mm. yeah, yeah wow. being respectful of everyone. Yeah. And you're inspiring me, Gwen. I want to do this now myself. This <laughs> do you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I like, I love camping, but I'm not, um, I'm not brilliant about it on my own. You know, I, yeah, I that's the thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be there telling every woman, especially to get out and go camping. I didn't, I didn't find it um, safe the whole time. Mm. Uh, I was always much more relieved when a friend could join me. It was such a relief. Um, and in a way, that's why I'm um, building this kind of little camper van is mm. for this kind of security, because, you know, you do have to take that into consideration. Mm. You'd be silly not to. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd have did to choose. Have, did you have yeah. any bad experiences or anything like that? No, I didn't. No, no. Okay. More kind of anxiety and kind mm. of um, my, my own mind playing tricks on me and stuff. Yes, yeah, mm. so I'd be kind of jumping out in the middle of the night wondering who's there, who's there. Mm. <laughs> but, um, well, I mean, it's reassuring yeah. to know that you didn't have any bad experiences because I think obviously, again, one of the big things that stops us from doing things is fear. And fear, as we know, is often something that is not based in reality. Fears are, are, are imagining th- bad things yes. that could yeah. happen, but yeah. that's so rarely do and you know I think that's you know for me having being someone who who solo traveled across Europe last year you know people were always asking me was I not afraid and I would just I'm, I'm so uh, like allergic to that word now of, of, of you know because I feel that there's nothing really to fear but fear itself and we have to yeah. obviously protect ourselves but know that the in the majority of cases you are safe right yes. Um, yes. and um, and it's very reassuring to know that you didn't have any bad experiences yeah. while you were while you were doing that um but of course I mean it must be terrifying to just pitch up and just I mean even just I mean not even worried about I wouldn't necessarily even be worried about people it would be more like animals or <laughs> you know the dark like rain the weather you know yeah. cattle yeah cattle are my, nice my cattle. yeah absolutely <laughs> any kind of wildlife that could have potentially kind of come um come your way I mean yeah, how, but... how did you kind of overcome that that or was oh there... gee Chris it, it was actually it, it was so more exciting um than 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 something to be afraid of yes. you know i mean when i was on the grand canal um in the evenings i would hear the curlew um and that was just that's such a unique and special experience and if you were in um a hotel or a house or something you're, you're just not going to hear that you know so mm. uh, that was that and the curlew because... are the is the cows right is that no no curlew oh beautiful bird with a bird. really long bill very kind of um it's kind of shaped like a half moon and it's a really endangered species oh. in the country i think there's only about 150 of them left and wow. it's disappearing rapidly and uh, yeah so you kind of oh. hear them around the bog areas um in the midlands especially what yeah. kind of are they singing a song or are they making a calling a calling most sound? incredible bubblings it's such a unique sound and I bet if you heard it you would suddenly you would know in your head that's a curlew it's right. unlike any other bird it's like a bubbling sound 
um, if you're along the shoreline, I'm sure you've heard them. Right. Um, it's not the usual tweet tweet bird. Wow. It's, um, it's this incredible long bubbling call. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And what about um animals or creatures in the mammals? Should I say creatures in the water? Did you encounter yeah. many uh, water creatures? Um. Yeah. Huge pike, which um terrified me. Yeah. Yeah. And they're everywhere. Really. <laughs> and they're growing really big. Wow. Like and- how big? Yeah, this <laughs> I mean, it's just odd because they, they seem to love kind of sunbathing in the water. And wow. Really warm days, they would kind of drift to the surface of the water. So you'd be paddling along and really I, I would see many, many pike and they, they have enormous teeth too. That's, you know, they're not going to do anything to you at all. They're terrified of me. But um, it was it always amused me, you know, when I'd see a huge pipe with his big wow. teeth. <laughs> wow! But, uh, otter, which Otters. was on the on the barrow, yeah, yeah. And do we, we we don't have beavers or that's just otters, right? Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. think we ever had beavers. Yeah. No, and eels, I'd imagine, and things like that as well. Eels, I didn't see. I'm not. I wouldn't be crazy about eels. I'm. I'm not a great snake person, and I eels just... and snake, I kind of think look very similar. Oh, wow. So I mean, I can be squeamish. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I that's. I love snakes, but I like to eat. Really, them. I like to eat eels as well. The eels. Yeah, 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 yeah. Smoke um, eels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Wow. Okay, so um, so then so 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 from Locker and then where so just tell us the geography, I suppose, of what it, it how yeah, you so, what you're going on to to come down. What what yeah. rivers or what did you yeah? Uh, heading southwards. Um, I was always paddling south. Um, I came down the uh, well, not down the iron. Sorry, I headed south on the iron, which is actually heading upstream, oddly enough. And it links in with a waterway called the Shannon Urn Waterway. Yes. And that is a kind of a, a series of kind of interconnected rivers and canals that links the River Shannon with the River Urn. And um, so I traveled along that. It goes through Cavan and Leitrim. Mm. And then in Leitrim, I met up with the River Shannon, which is our longest mm. um, river. Mm. And I uh, took off down that. Um, and I luckily I didn't have to do the whole river, which is quite an intimidating thing to do. Um, and I intersected them with the Grand Canal, <clears throat> which brought me across Ireland. And that's a man-made waterway. And um, so it's quite shallow and it's very slow moving, very still, still waters in it. And, uh, and from there, I arrived into County Kildare and I linked up with um the barrow the river barrow mm. which is another nice big natural river mm. and i set off um heading south again on that and i arrived down to a place called saint mullins in south county carlow and that from there the river would become a uh, tidal so that was kind of the end for, right. for my canoe anyway just a bit right. too risky to take her into big tidal river right wow yeah. My goodness, that's amazing. Um, and so the River Shannon, like, what you know, was there scary parts? I mean, because you yeah. know, like, there must be rapids yeah, yeah. and, um, and no. you know, just even just like the speed of the river and the, yeah, yeah. the width of the river, I'd imagine, um, you yeah. know, being sort of feeling small within it. Yeah. It's a big, it's a big river. Uh, it's a big, broad river. I didn't have any rapids uh, to navigate, thankfully. Mm. Um, there, there's a lot of traffic on the Shannon. You know, yeah, you get yeah. a lot of a lot of the uh, holiday hire boats on mm. the Shannon. Mm. And 
but because she's a big broad I'm referring a she again she's a big broad river it kind of worked in my favor because I could always hug the shoreline and stay yes. out of the way of all the traffic so that kind of worked in my favor um but yeah there was quite a flow on when I joined it in Leitrim and um I wasn't very comfortable with that but uh, I survived um you know the flow kind of whisked me along I don't want to say I was out of control I was just about in control <laughs> and uh, luckily when it, when it kind of empties into the big locks you've got Loch Ree for example mm. uh, Bode, Loch Bodurg and Bowfin so the river kind of slows up when it enters those big areas of water and you're you know and they the Loch Ree is actually a really tricky place I was quite nervous about Loch Ree it's got a bad reputation for you know, it'll go from calm to chaotic in a matter of minutes. And actually one of our <clears throat> busiest lifeboat stations is on Lockery. Mm. Um, and that kind of speaks volumes about the place. Mm. Um, but I was, again, really, really lucky with the weather. So I had two days of um, beautiful sunshine and no wind, um, which meant I could do the whole length of the rock in two yeah. days. Yeah. And I was I was completely safe. You know, it, it, it was flat calm the whole way. And how long did this whole journey take you in total? In total, it would have taken me um, in total two months. Two months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Traveling wow. for, you know, three to four days at a time, um, you know, stopping for a rest. If, you know, if I knew it was going to be, you know, lashing rain. Um, yeah. I'm a bit, I, you know, I'd be a fair weather um, outdoors person. So, so what know, time just, of the year was it that you started? Oh, summer, summer, definitely. Oh, summer. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and how was the weather? I mean, did you did you I mean like yeah, <laughs> Irish weather? Three, four, four different with seasons in one day. <laughs> just typical, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and you're yeah. just having to yeah constantly to make rain gear, take it off, the sunshine. It must be yeah. just wet the whole time. Yeah. 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 And I just you're you mentioned having the carpal tunnel. I mean, you know, yeah. it's very repetitive. Um, yeah. uh, paddling yeah. a canoe. I mean, how, how you must have been very strong. I mean, you know, it from a physical perspective, how was it for you? Yeah. Um. I mean, I I would be relatively fit. Um. Luckily. Um. And I did kind of upper upper arm strengthening exercises before I went. So, you know, I was pretty adamant that I was going to do that for several months before I went mm. because, you know, you're, I would, would be covering maybe 20 kilometers a day. That doesn't sound very much, but it's 20 kilometers just um, using your arms to paddle. Because mm. it's odd, you don't really use your legs. You're just sort of yeah. sitting there. Yeah. Um, and it's just kind of your upper body that, that's yeah. having to do the work. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but your legs, I mean, I, I did a little bit of canoeing and kayaking. Yeah when I was in Lake Como and um with Ma Molly my dog she came oh, out yeah. with me she loved it um and she kept jumping in all the time but um I've, I've I find I got quite a bit of pain in my legs just from the position of how I was sort of yeah. sitting in 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 yeah. the canoe you know and I kept having to kind of put my legs outside of the boat and things like that is you know <laughs> I, I don't know whether it was just my legs maybe <laughs> yeah 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 interesting yeah, yeah yeah but also this it's so much work oh my goodness I mean I was doing some 
some kayaking and in the sea you know and I know that's different to when I was in Spain yeah. and uh, going exploring caves and things like that but I mean you know you're wrecked <laughs> very quickly you know yeah it's, uh, it is yeah it is. it's surprising um I mean for me the 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 biggest obstacle for me on the whole voyage was trying to go around the locks so um locks transport boats along the waterways and they move the boat from one level to another level yeah, yeah. and it's fine for a boat you can just kind of um, motor into the lock and the you know the water drops in the chamber and on you move to the next section but I had to I would have to um, when I arrived at a lock I'd have to get out of the canoe take all my belongings out and do what's called portaging so I had to carry the canoe and all my belongings around the lock and get back in at the lower section of the waterway and to me that was um just knackering I mean it would take me about half an hour 40 minutes to do and um yeah and that really did knacker me yeah yeah and did you I mean was there times when you felt like giving up uh yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um so many times yeah but uh you know and then I would just have days where I knew I was having a ball you know everything but you know I mean when I kind of um had sort of set myself the challenge um what I kind of what I do to kind of navigate a challenge a big challenge like that is I just break it into very small parts and I see you know taking every day each day at a, at a time and you know I keep kind of checking in with myself to see am I happy am I comfortable am I okay to continue um yeah so I just kind of break it into bite-sized pieces and I never kind of looked at the whole voyage going oh I have another 300 kilometers to do um you know I just kind of checked in with myself mm-hmm. all the time to make sure I was happy and still enjoying you know the adventure I wasn't enjoying it you know just yeah and I mean the thing about it is is that this was something that you were doing for you that it wasn't Mm -hmm. necessarily something that you were doing as any kind of big career or money-making endeavor or necessarily anything to do with charity or you know something that you felt obliged this was just a decision and something that you were doing right so it was you can stop whenever you want I suppose no one's making you do it but it's about sort of pushing through that and, and and believing in yourself and knowing that you can and the sense of achievement and wonderful experience that you have from it then you know yeah. which is just yeah. which was then chronicled in the book so how did the book come about yeah I mean um I guess at, at the end of the journey I just felt like I'd had so many amazing experiences and I was dying to kind of share them with people and and tell people about about the waterways which you know um I hadn't heard too much about before and Mm. um yeah and I just felt there was such a such an opportunity here for people to you know to get out and explore and um you know experience nature um really close to nature experience Mm. um yeah so I just wanted to share all that and um yeah and I started I'm sure everyone you met as well was saying oh there's a book in that you traveled with there's a book in there's a book in that. yeah yeah because yeah. You'd, you'd end up telling people lots of little stories and sure. you kind of go crikey you know I've got 10 stories there from the urn and you know another 10 here and um yeah yeah and I you know and it's the idea of having an adventure on your own doorstep you yeah. know because always you know as I said earlier you know I've always been interested in adventure and kind of um big challenges 
And uh, I always felt like you had to kind of go away, maybe mm. go to the Amazon or go to Nepal or something. Mm, mm. And, you know, I just kind of, gosh, you know, I can have a really just a brilliant adventure on my own doorstep in Ireland. Yeah. Mm, mm. yeah so well, I, that's, to... I set myself a kind of request of trying to do all 32 counties of Ireland this year, Um, because again, having traveled across Europe last year, I want to now really explore Ireland. And I mean, I have never been to Locker and I mean, I've, I've, I've so far been <laughs> to so many places this year that I've never been to before in Ireland, even though I'm 41 and I've lived in Ireland almost my whole life, you know, and there's so much to see. And, and you know, yeah. this is what's so exciting about yeah. reading your book and about seeing kind of like the, the the different ways in which we can have those kinds of um, amazing adventures. I mean, I was saying that I was planning on maybe doing a, um, a camper van trip, yeah. uh, but I, I, I can't find a car. That's a, that's a camper van. That's an automatic. So I'm interested to hear about what your next adventure is. But now I'm thinking, do I just, you know, go down, pick a river and, go down <laughs> it? and you know, actually it's funny because my mum and I went away. I took her down to Cork on one of the county adventures and uh, we were, we were going over rivers and things like that. Mm. I think we went over the river Barrow and I said to mum, can you name seven rivers in Ireland? You know, and it was just this little, game and so we were and yeah. we we're trying to think and we were saying yeah the Shannon and the Lee and the Liffey and the Barrow and you know and we were trying yeah. to see how many more that we that we knew because again I think you know when you live in the country uh, for a long time we should know the names of all the the rivers and all the lakes yeah. and all things but we, yeah. we kind of don't, ranges. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah um and uh and and so you know would you so in terms of the canals like is it possible to just do a canal trip because I would imagine that there as you said more still waters and things like that and less maybe less airy yeah Yeah. absolutely and you know you can um there's hire boat companies that you can take a boat for like four days yeah you can be nice and self-contained and safe on the boat yeah you know, not not like me camping and kind of yeah. living out of a out of a out of a small bag. You know, yeah. you could hire a boat and have an amazing adventure. Yeah, just that on, is something I want to do. Just actually. on the Grand Canal, yeah, 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 yeah amazing. Yeah. Um, and then you um, so so the boat the, the book came about, and so you 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 wrote the book yourself, and then it was published with the press, or yeah, very um, impressed. Yeah, so I mean. I've always been interested in writing and I've always tried to write, you know, the way we all think we have a book in us mm-hmm. and uh, I would start something and it would kind of fizzle out. And um, yeah, so I kind of realized that here I had an actual story that um, that that definitely could be formed into a book. And uh, yeah, so um, it started flowing, I guess. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and uh, and I I actually really enjoyed writing it too. So it, it um it was a it was a good experience, really all around positive experience. Yeah, yeah. And I got yeah. um I got mentoring through the Irish Writers Centre with oh, Monk so. and McGann. So that was really exciting to have him to have his input and advice on the project too. Because he's interested in a lot of the same things that I would be interested in too. Yeah. And it says again, you know, just to sort of quote the the excerpt, it says here that it the book is more than just a travelogue. It explores mm-hmm. the interwoven histories of the people and the wildlife that shaped your journey. Yeah. From wild camping on the deserted islands to drifting on lakes in the company of restless lapwings. This book invites the reader to share an intense engagement with the natural world. 
Um, the charming text is accompanied by the author's own striking lino and woodcut prints, beautiful and thought-provoking interpretations of the flora and fauna that you observed on the travels. So it it feels like a book that's travel, that's nature, that's art, that's you know, you know, so many different things within it, which is yeah. um, and history and folklore and all of those kinds of things. Well, so. I mean, I was getting to learn about um our history too, the whole mm. you know, the whole way along the journey. If I'd encounter something, um, say the Boa Island figures, which I'd never heard of before, they're these carved stones that are on um, on Loch Erne, and they're you know re they're dating back to pagan times, and um, so yeah, so when I encountered them, I was curious and I wanted to learn more. Where where do these come from? And um, so it was a whole learning learning experience for me mm. you know uh, Devonish Island which is this amazing site of pilgrimage um yeah it was all it was just a, a big learning experience wow. um, uh, and, and I just soaked it up like a big sponge yeah, yeah. <laughs> and had many people done this before this journey you know um, like I mean I, I hadn't met anyone who no. did it no, wow. no. but wow. um, I certainly knew it was doable and yeah. I did have a good book, which is, I think it's called Irish Canoe Journeys, which kind of gives um, ideas on where you can go canoeing um, day trips or three day trips in Ireland. Mm. Um, yeah, and they sort of suggested, you know, you could do this itinerary, the Shannon, the Grand Canal, the Barrow. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Um, and then tell us about your, your next adventure then. So you're building this you're building a little teardrop uh what's it called is it a caravan a teardrop yeah they're called teardrop camper vans camper van yeah trailers yeah trailers that's the word I was looking for yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're you know they're really kind of um small self-contained units again um very small now I'm not sure how to describe it as small as kind of a, a beetle car mm, and you mm. tow it behind your car um uh, yeah so I'm building that and it's really just to it's kind of like the little you see sometimes people on bicycles pulling these little teardrop things with their children in it right so it's like that but with a bed with a it's got a great place to cook at the back um so yeah, so I'm going to feel a bit more safe in it. I think it'll give me, it'll give me that kind of um, little bit more feeling of security and I can carry more things, you know, so because when you're in the canoe, you're just so limited, you know, you have to cut out almost everything and just down to the bare basics. So th I'll have a little bit <clears throat> more luxury here. I think could, you, could you tow it on a bike or no, it has to be in a car? Yeah, I think no. Mine would have to. It'll have to be in a car. Mine, right. but I, I, people have sent me things on Instagram of these funny little things that you can unfold and drag behind your bike, which mm. is interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You wow. can, that can be done. Yeah. So, is your plan? Is your adventure? To, are you planning to to travel around Ireland in that, or or elsewhere, mm. or? Um, definitely, just more exploring. And yes. I, I mean. I, I see now you've got a ferry route that's got linking up with um, Bilbao in Spain yes, yes. From Rosler, and I'm kind of looking at that going mm, that <laughs> looks really good <laughs> I imagine you know heading down to Galicia and yeah having a having a, a good explore down there yeah wow yeah. 
And just, you know, for anyone who's like, I mean, did it cost you, was it costly to do what you did or, or not? I don't, I don't um, definitely not, no. no. Um, um, I mean, the canoe, let's say the total cost came to uh, about five or 600 euros. Wow. Um, and then just, you know, all, <clears throat> all my own labor involved in that, but the materials would have come to that. Um, and then just, yeah, I'm camping, so you know mm. there's no cost in that mm. um yeah and you know obviously <clears throat> you've got your life jacket and some basic survival things so no very 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 small overheads involved in that expedition yeah and were you cooking did you have like a stove pot kind of yeah. thing or yeah, yeah. That you i couldn't get enough food into me i mean i must yeah, have been burning been calories yeah i was mm. constantly hungry i've mm. never been so hungry in my life yeah Wow. And I'd eat, I'd eat my pot of my one pot wonder and I go, I'll have another four of those, please. Wow. But yeah. I mean, I, I imagine you there would you were never too far away from civilization as well. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you yeah. could have like, gone of to course. a local pub or <laughs> something like Yeah, you could and you couldn't. I mean, it was very hard to leave all my Yeah, bodies. sure, of course. So I was slightly that was the one drawback you know if you're in a group or a team of people you've always got someone to kind of look mm -hmm. out for everything and I was kind of really hampered by that handicapped mm -hmm. by it mm. and that's why I would make sure I could um survive for three to four days mm -hmm. and, and then yeah figure something out and wow. have somebody meet me or something yeah yeah wow. I mean that's the only slight drawback when you do travel solo is your com you know you're completely um yeah dependent on your on yourself and sometimes it is great to have a buddy or a group to you know to help absolutely. help in that area yeah absolutely and the um was there anything scary that happened I mean did you capsize at all I mean what you know in terms of like because this is one thing that I talked to Damien Brown about in terms of fear mm -hmm. and obviously he was doing it across the oceans and yeah. my god but yeah. you know was there any fear that you that you encountered in terms of like something bad happening on the waterways um no no, no. I mean I kind of you know I I had I had planned you know I thought a lot about um any eventualities beforehand sure. I'm kind of used to that that level of planning similar to Damien I mean I've sailed across the Atlantic several times so I'm used to a high level of planning and forethought mm. um but I mean you know on the canals and rivers here um yeah I I knew what the level of risk was and I, I mean the Shannon was the riskiest place to be, um, especially the big locks, um, Loch Ree in particular. Mm. So I just was very careful about the weather and mm. always been very conscious of the weather. That was my kind of biggest enemy was, mm. was the weather. Yeah. I think, and I think that's the moral, isn't it? That, you know, we, 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 again, going back to that fear, you know, we, 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 we're only afraid. And this is what I talk about when I'm, I'm I teach a confidence course, or I, I teach my things, prepare to fail and, you know, um, fail to prepare and prepare to fail. You know, the only time when you don't feel confident about something is when you don't know what you're doing or that you exactly to put any thought into it so if you have done and you know what you're doing and you've planned it properly yes you've you've looked at every eventuality yeah. um then 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 you're you're good to go you know and yes and of course yeah. 
and things can happen and spontaneity and things like that but 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 they're also things that you'll have had to think about what if this happens what if that happens what yeah. if this happens yeah um, and you you're able to kind of put that plan in place to make yourself um as confident as possible and as I suppose that's the thing you need to be confident in order to ensure that bad things don't happen right so if yeah. you're going on yeah. to do going on an adventure like that and you're not feeling confident that's when the mistakes will happen that's and it. that's when you know the fear can come in so it all leads on <laughs> yeah it's like the waterways it's all connected isn't it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but um, I mean I, I mean I would have gone through a few years where I'd kind of become much less confident in myself I'm you know I remember in my 20s when I was doing all this um amazing ocean racing and I seem to have been fearless back then mm-hmm. um possibly taking things for granted I mean I was learning a lot too but I seem to be fearless. And then in my 30s, starting to grow less confident and more fearful. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that happens, especially to women. I've I've always heard that story that um women are are yeah, women are more risk sensitive, whereas you know, men are, you know, that's why they're entrepreneurs, they they don't mind um failure and risk. And mm-hmm. you know. For women I don't know we seem to kind of we start worrying about things and they it snowballs and I think that kind of happened a bit with me in my 30s and um I knew I had to kind of shake myself out of it you know mm-hmm. I you know I had to try and get beyond that barrier of of you know having having fears that snowballed into something that ends up making you just sit on your sofa all day yeah. and um yeah you you've got you've got to I just knew I had to get out and live life live this one great life that absolutely yeah I mean like I'm I'm interested in sort of psychosomatic experiencing and and how things get passed on generationally through our DNA and you know I yeah. think that you know if we look at the days of the, the hunter gatherer the, the the hunter and the forager um i think women when they got to a certain age were probably having had procreated having had children and so yeah. would be more risk averse because they yeah. would be having to protect i suppose the, the, yeah. yeah and that maternal kind of and i think that just still seeps down through our dna and seeps down through even if we aren't maternal or even if we don't have children ourselves it's still it's still something that's there that's part of that uh, genetic makeup that makes us humans right so um but yeah and and i think that's again something that i see all of the time with my coaching and you know how how famously men will apply for a job if they have three skills needed of the 10 yeah. whereas women will only apply yeah. if they have if they have the 10 you know yeah. and, uh, yeah. yeah and I think you know that's something that we can become aware of and mm. ask ourselves how is it serving me to be that yes and if we do plan and if we do prepare and if we do know what we're doing and how we're what we're what we're that that's what people would say to me god you're very brave to leave your job and start working for yourself and it was because I had confidence in my abilities and you know was sure that I would be able to make a success of whatever it was that I wanted to do if you yes. don't have that assuredness it's yes. much more difficult yeah um and yes. so yes. it's about looking at ways in which you can build that in yourself and mm-hmm. if you are confident enough to traverse Ireland on the roadways and a canoe and a hand yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. that's confidence Gwen you know that's a yeah. very confident to sleep out to sleep out outdoors I mean what you did was 
um, incredibly creative, innovative, brave, mm. adventuring, um, and you know, such an such an inspiration. Like, wow, what an amazing, amazing story to tell. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. Yeah, well, I mean, if I could could just say on, on that subject, um, I mean, I always remember growing up, um, I found it difficult to find um other journey makers and explorers that were women that were kind of getting out and exploring and you know I always kind of bemoaned that fact that I'd so few kind of role models that I could follow that they all seemed to be kind of men Mm. and um yeah and I always kind of felt that if the opportunity ever came about that I could um you know um, show other women I don't just want to make this all about women Mm. all the time but Mm. if I could show um young girls and you know other people who are maybe insecure I mean you know I'm insecure um and and have fears but um if I can inspire other people to kind of you know take the plunge take the challenge and just see how far you you can push yourself yeah yeah and that's really what I wanted to do also with with the book yeah you amazing you you must link up with Phoebe Foran in 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 Forager follow her she is is, is, um, she's looking at starting a a new kind of venture called uh, called wild women and um actually very similar to you what she was saying that in her world in the world of foraging and um in the world of medicinals and things like that it's mostly men it's the bear grills it's the you know it's 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 that kind of sort of the, the 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 men out there on you know as you say on the boats or foraging it's very few women but actually I think the women are out there they just need to be collected all together <laughs> and, and 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 known that there that there are a, a growing hopefully a growing uh, cohort of of wild women who are um you know really doing things for themselves and because yeah, if you don't if you don't see it happening and don't yes. know that other people are doing it then you're just you're not going to try yourself you yeah. know I yeah. think it's all changing now it, 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 it it's all changing quite quickly now and it's yeah. all getting better but I just know yeah. when I was growing up because I couldn't see other women getting out and having crazy adventures mm. I kind of held back from doing it yeah Mm-mm. And I suppose as well, just with this, like you don't have to build the boat yourself. I mean, you can buy a boat. You can, you know, there are a sh- shortcut. There are other things. There are ways in which you can make it maybe easier for yourself. If you don't want to, you know, if you if you don't want a wild camp, you can row and and paddle and then you know find somewhere to stay for the night. There's so many, there's so many B and Bs and Airbnbs and things like that that you could do. Um, that's what my mom and I were talking about when we were talking about walking the canal and you know looking at like places to stay along the way rather than camping so yeah there's um there's no manner of ways in which we can live wildly um and still have comforts and security and things like that as well you know so um so amazing where can people buy the book um hopefully it's still in bookshops i hope and if not um it's available oh thank you (laughs) if not it it should be online um i know i've got a few copies and i think marion press who published it they they also have plenty of supplies brilliant so the waters and the wild by gwen wilkinson where else can people find you gwen um i i have a website and i'm on instagram as well occasionally on instagram (laughs) 
Brilliant. Okay, amazing. Listen, thank you so, so much um, for, for, for chatting to me and for sharing your story and your journey. And I'm sure there's even more that we could explore, but I think that's what the beauty of this is. If you want to know more and hear about these incredible adventures, then buy, buy the book, read the book. And, um, and, and maybe even if anyone listening decides to go on, a, on, a, on an adventure of their own, do let myself and Gwen know if this has inspired you. So thank you so much You're well, thank you Ariana I mean being part of this amazing community you're building is just it's, it's a huge honour to, to be asked in yeah thank you thank it's great you. thank you so much